Welcome, church family, to Norrisville. We're live online tonight, yeah, this morning. Sorry about that, this morning. And uh, man, we want to welcome everybody from your homes to our place of worship. And we're going to worship the Lord today in a fun, exciting way. But, uh, man, I understand that everybody's getting cabin fever, but it's good to have you out there. And it's good to worship our Lord because he's big. He can handle all our fears. He can handle everything that comes our way. i got a verse for you today. It comes out of uh, Jeremiah, uh, Isaiah 41, 10. It says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be anxious. Look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Awesome, man. So, hey, we're going to go to word of prayer, and hopefully that scripture inspires you this morning. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we just open up our worship time, I just pray that you be in the presence of all these homes that we're in, and all these places. I just pray, Heavenly Father, that we feel your presence there with them. And Heavenly Father, as that scripture says, you will hold us with your righteous right hand. Heavenly Father, help us to uh, know that you've got our backs. Help us to know that you've got our comfort in this, Heavenly Father. You're going to see us through. And Heavenly Father, we our hopes in you, not in anything else. I just pray that we have this opportunity to find out why we have our strength in you. And then, Father, just be at this service and bless all these people. And all Jesus' people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you. 
we knew that God was doing something that was bigger than us. And we started asking ourselves, what could we do towards a citywide vision of, of seeing churches planted all over the city of Pittsburgh? And God began to open the door for that influence. When you have a team coming together, that's how our cities are going to be changed. And so as we come into the city of Pittsburgh, you have a diversity of backgrounds, a diversity of people, new outsiders coming in, those who've been here generational for years and years and years, Pittsburghers who've um, gone through the, the steel industry crash. And in order for us to reach these people, we need a diversity of pastors. Those first three to five years are really tough for a church plan. And, and we want to make sure that when a church planner comes into a new city, we try to equip them not just with the friendships, with the brotherhood, with the coaching, but also with the financial resources for them to begin to reach people in their city because we truly believe we're stronger together. So when people give to missions, it's a game changer. This offering gives those church planners a generosity boost to get that mission up and going. And this generosity is truly changing lives. just how you call us to different things in our lives and you equip us as you call us. And so 
Um, today, even as uh, we do church in a different way, I pray that uh, the reach of your word goes um, just so so far and so big. And um, and so, God, right now, we just pray, uh, even for Robin and Annabeth in this, this weird time of life, that, um, God, you would actually make yourself known even more than, than you could have without doing something like this. And, and we recognize that sometimes you do things like this in our lives um, to bring us back to you. And so that's one thing that we ask for. Right now, I just pray specifically um, for the church in, uh, in Pittsburgh, and we pray uh, that the harvest would be plentiful um, and that you would make the workers plentiful as well. Um, God, we also ask that uh, you would make the faith of, of Rob and Annabeth in our church so strong that they will step step out in big ways to make their name known. Um, so, God, I just pray, um, even as we support this Annie Armstrong offering, that, Lord, um, your name will go out, that your glory would be um, so big. And, um, and I just pray for the church uh, in this season that you would um, go before us, behind and before us, God, covering us with your grace, with your love, with your joy, with your peace, and with your hope. In that, Lord, um, you would make yourself known. And we ask all this in your name and for your glory. Amen. Thank you, Rob.
So you know what? We have two guys seen today, two of my favorite male vocalists here at Forceville Baptist. Thank you for both of those very powerful songs that let us know that God is in control, God's in charge, He will not let us go. As I've been saying all week, He's got this. He's got this. He's got this. Hey, well, we're in week three of our sermon series entitled Facing Down Fear. Facing Down Fear. And today, we want to talk about fear no evil. And we're going to go on to one of the most popular scriptures um, in the Old Testament, which is the 23rd Psalm. If you want to go ahead and turn there. Now, I want to encourage you to get your device out, get your iPad, get your iPhone out, uh, or your Android device, and go to your new version app. And look in that bottom corner, click there, you'll see a word events, go there, and all the scriptures and the quotes and all of that are going to be right there, and you can follow along. And that includes, by the way, those who are going to be listening in the future, that app will be up, that, um, that worship event will be up for a whole week. If you'll go in there and save it, you can have it forever, all right? So I hope you'll enjoy that uh, this week and help also as we do the sermon today. So here's the deal. And I'm not sure, you have ever wondered why somebody hadn't said something? Well, I was thinking about how to introduce the message today, and, and what happened was, I, I, a, a phrase, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but a phrase has been in my brain, really, since this started, and I've really not heard it used, and I kind of wondered why. Well, I want you to go back with me to, oh, September, October, 1929, um, they were coming out of a great, just a incredible economy called the Roaring Twenties. Things was things were really happening in America, and then things started going south. Okay, and in October of 1929, the stock market simply imploded, and the country entered into what is called the Great Depression. Okay, so on March the fourth, 1933, uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt was being inaugurated as the President of the United States. Now, notice, by the way, did you notice something with the history? Notice I said March the 4th. He was the last president to be inaugurated in March, and then they moved it back to January. So now you learned something, all right? But anyway, in his speech, I remember now, the country has been in the Great Depression for four years. Somebody say, four years. And, and here's the deal. Hey, here's the deal. There was no end in time. You know, we know eventually this situation we're in, it's going to be in the rearview mirror. This thing didn't come to stay. It's going to pass, okay? And we're going to look one day at this and say, oh, yeah, we live through that and, and hopefully thrive through that. But with them, there was no end in sight. And so with the new president, and I've heard Hoover was the president before, he's been very popular. And so everybody hung their hopes on Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And so in his speech that day, he said some pretty incredible words, Brent. And I really can't believe that someone hasn't snagged this and pasted it all over Facebook. Let me read to you just a very short portion of what he said that day. Here's what he said. This is preemptively the time to speak the truth. Can someone say amen? Is it not a great time to say, uh, to say the truth, to speak the truth? This is preemptively the time to speak the truth. The whole truth, frankly and boldly. Sounds like preaching it very far. Nor need we shrink from honestly facing conditions in our country today. Wow, how powerful is that? I love this. You may have heard this part. This great nation will endure as it has endured, will revive, and will prosper. So here's the part you're going to know. Here's the part. He's just super famous for saying. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear 
remember, is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into event. Is that not powerful? Is that not spoken as a great leader? Okay? Now, now I would add in there, if I, if I was there that day, I would add in the aspect that, you know, the quote we said, you know, if you fear God, you don't have to fear anything else. I would have thrown that in there in the mix when we said, you know, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. But it's so powerful that fear is a dominating thing in our country that God hasn't lived. That God has got it down. You know, Bob Goff, and you know I like Bob Goff. He's the one that we used as the main source for our Love Does series. Bob Goff says some incredible things. Listen to this. The way we deal with uncertainty lets us know, now listen, this is too good. Let us know whether Jesus is ahead of us, leading, I put in as our shepherd, or behind us, just carrying our stuff. Is that not incredible? Let me read it again. The way we deal with uncertainty lets us know whether Jesus is ahead of us leading as our shepherd or behind us just carrying our stuff. You know, so often we, we, we take Jesus and put him in a position he doesn't serve. We, we turn him into a stuff carrier. Hey, God, I, I, Jesus, I can't handle this. You carry it. Hey, Jesus, I can't handle this. You carry it. We turn him into a, a stuff carrier, and he is so much more. You know, Another song that, that Donnie occasionally sings that is also powerful, although it could not have been more powerful than what we heard today. But, but a song that he sings sometimes has the words like this. When answers aren't enough, there is Jesus. He is more than just an answer to your prayer. And your heart will find a safe and peaceful refuge when answers aren't enough. He is there. And he gets. He's not just our stuff carrier. He is our Savior, our Lord, our King of Kings. He is our Redeemer. He is our Rescuer. He is our all and all. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 9, 36, he said this. When the crowds, when he saw the crowds, okay, when he arrived in the crowds, you know, he had a way of showing up again. When, when answered enough, he is there, okay? When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion. Now, I love this. So he sees this crowd, okay? And I'll, I'll finish the scripture just a moment. But he sees this crowd, and they're a mess. They're a mess. Do, you, know, you know people today who are in a mess? I mean, they're just wrapped up in fear and anxiety. They're just like a bowl of jello. They're quivering, okay? Now, we won't fix people. Can I have an amen? We want, we want to fix people. We want, you know, if they're broken, we've got the answer. You know, if, if they're doing something wrong, we've got the answer. Okay? Jesus does not give them a sermon. Jesus does not give them a lecture. Okay? Jesus does not do a psychoanalysis of them. Jesus doesn't even give them a theology lesson. You know what he does? He felt compassion. He felt love in action for them. And the reason why? Because they were distressed and dejected. They were distressed and dejected. Does that not sound like our culture today in this current situation that we're in? There are so many people who are like stressed out. They're so distressed and they're so dejected. You know, I snagged this off our website last night. I was going over the website 
And this is something Corey Tim Boone said. She said it again, it's on her website. If, if you look at the world, you will be distressed. If you look within you, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you will be at rest. Amen and amen. Turn your eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it goes on and says, you know, because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Like sheep without a shepherd. I remember saying this one time, you know, you know what call a sheep without a shepherd? Lamb chops. Lamb chops. Because they're defenseless and they're not very smart. You know, I, I, I read a story. A guy named Steve Paddington, and Steve Paddington was just a normal guy, okay? But he worked five years on a sheep farm, okay? And here's what he observed, personally, and it's a true story. He said he was standing there, and the sheep were in their pen. And on the other side, there's like a pen and a pen with a fence in between. And so the sheep are standing there. He said they were like crowds pressing against the fence. So they were just pushing in against the fence. Because on the other side of the fence was a watering trough. And they were thirsty. He said what was amazing was, because the way sheep are wired, you could go over and there's a gate right here and open that gate. And you know what the sheep would do, Robin? Let me tell you what the sheep would do. They would stand there, pressed against the fence, looking at the water, thirsty. You know why? Sheep need to be led. We need a shepherd. In fact, he went as far to say they would stand there until they died of thirst, even though the gate was open, leading to the other pen right here. We are wired so that we need a shepherd. So, David was a shepherd boy. This is David from the Old Testament, David the king, eventually. And this is the guy who was rejected by his father, rejected by his dad. You know, he, the dad, you know, prophet shows up, you know, anoint new king, and all the other sons were invited to the anointing, the new anointing, but David was left in the field. He didn't matter. He was rejected by his dad. Uh, uh, this, is the, this is the kid who, as a young teenager, faced a guy named Goliath, who was nine and a half feet tall. This is the guy who eventually would become king, but would experienced several major breakings in his life. As a king, he really failed. As a husband, he really failed. And as a dad, yeah, he really failed. See, David, even though he's a man of God's own heart, he had some major deals going on. And that just might be part of the reason why he wrote the 23rd Psalm. Because the Psalm opens up and says this, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. See, David knew, he was wise enough to know, because he had been a shepherd, that she need a shepherd. And so he cries out and says, the Lord is my shepherd. And these five or six words are just impregnated with truth. Okay? Something I read even this morning, even this morning, I mean, it jumped off, right? it just jumped off the page at me. There's something pretty amazing here. You know, the word Lord there is, of course, the word Jehovah. It's, it's a major name for God in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Okay? So it's the major name of God. Okay? And then we have this word shepherd. Now, knowing what you know from Christmas, you remember the lessons you learned at Christmas? 
Okay, when when we were learning that shepherds were second class citizens, remember you do the the candle, shepherd's candle. They're second class citizens. They're not to be trusted. Uh, kind of like gypsies today. They just weren't worth much in society. They they were not welcome in any kind of social gathering. They were had they had false forced social distancing. Okay? Nobody wanted to be around the shepherd. And that, those two words, Lord and shepherd, should not be in the same context together. Because here we have Jehovah Creator God, and we have a, a class of people that nobody wanted to be around. But David says, the Lord is my shepherd. And But then I said, oh my goodness, that's exactly right. Because Jesus left the wonder and splendor of heaven and was came, came down to be born the lowliness of men. The lowliest of men. It's a perfect, it's just another time the word of God shouts that I'm real, I'm true, I can be trusted. It's amazing. So, so David says, the Lord, I need a shepherd, okay? And the Lord is my shepherd. I always point this out because it's so important. You know, David did not say, the Lord is a shepherd. He was accurate because the Lord was a shepherd. But there's no power in that. He, he didn't even say, the Lord is the shepherd. Say so now the fact that he's the only one. He'd been accurate in that. He goes one step further. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. You ask yourself this question. You know, the Bible refers to, to people as sheep. You know, in one place it says, all we like sheep have gone astray, over in Isaiah chapter 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. We need a shepherd. We're, we're, we're lost. We're wandering, you know, endlessly through the wilderness. Um, we're, we're just waiting to be wolf-banged. We need a shepherd. You need to ask yourself a question. Have you grabbed hold of a shepherd? And I always say this, if you're looking for a God, get a good one. If you're looking for a shepherd, get the right one. Okay, don't, don't look to, for materialism, don't look for wealth, don't look for pressing. We all see, we've seen how those things don't matter today. What matters is this. Have you claimed Jesus Christ as your shepherd? Have you reached a point where you understand the need that as a sinner, that you are condemned and separated from God, and that God loves you so much, he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a woman cross like this to shed his blood and pay the price because the payment for sin is death. The payment for sin is death. And Jesus Christ died for your sins. Listen, religion makes a terrible shepherd. Church by itself makes a terrible shepherd. Money makes a horrible shepherd. Guilt even makes a terrible shepherd. But Jesus, oh Jesus, he is the good shepherd. The good shepherd. Over in John chapter 10 verse number 11, here's what Jesus says of himself. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Well, well, what's the evidence of a good shepherd, Wayne? Listen to this. I am the good shepherd. The, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He goes, I'm not like a hireling. I'm not someone that drug off the street and said, hey, we'll pay you $10 an hour to watch the sheep. Because when the wolf shows up, then that kind of hireling leaves. He goes, I'm not like that one. I'm the good shepherd. I will lay down my life. Come on now. I will lay down my life for these sheep. This week was my song week because I have several words to share with you from songs. You know, you know the, old, the, the older song now, Now I Belong to Jesus. 
You know, it says this, he gave his life. What more could he give? He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Just simply incredible. Watch me. Now, watch me. He's an old Asian theologian. Okay? He says something really powerful. He says, it does not matter what your personal deficiency or whether it be 101. So it doesn't matter what, you, what your, your sin is or whether you have 101 or as a song we learned recently, whether it's a billion failures, whatever it is. You know, whatever your sin history is, whatever your sin history is, no matter what your, what your failure history is, he says, listen, he says, whether it be 101 different things, God has always one sufficient answer. There's one sufficient answer. His Son, Jesus Christ. And He is the answer for every need. Now let me say this. Jesus Christ is the answer for this crisis. Let me say it again. Jesus Christ is the answer for this crisis. And guess what? Two, two weeks from now, three years from now, a uh, hundred years from now, if the world's still ticking, Jesus Christ will still be the need, be the answer for every crisis. I love this. I love this. He's the good shepherd. He is the one sufficient answer. Over in Isaiah 40, Brent and I read this in the office this week. Uh, in Isaiah 40, 11, it says, God, he, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the land. I just love this imagery. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Woo, come on now. He gathers his, his flock like a shepherd, gathers them in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Oh, he doesn't want to be your baggage carrier. He doesn't want to be your stuff carrier. He wants to be your loving shepherd. And he wants to hold you in these difficult times. You remember when you were a kid. You remember when you were a kid you were afraid. Something happened. You had a bad dream or, or something. You know, and mom would just gather you up in her arms and hold you in the rocking chair. I remember the time I was really sick as a kid. I remember that. And, and I remember crawling up in your life. I remember my mom just wrapping me in her arms. How incredible that was. That's what God wants to do. He wants to wrap you up in his arms. Again, religion won't do that. Money can't do that. None of that will do that. But God can. God wants to. And God will. So, the answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. And then he goes on and says this. I shall not want. I shall not want. Jesus is our sufficiency. You know, at, at the shepherd's supply. You know, there's farmer's supply and FS and those kind of things. You know, well, if you go to the shepherd's supply, there are never any long lines, and there is never any empty shelves. Plenty of tall paper and hand sanitizer. Plenty of tall paper, plenty of hand sanitizer. There's no shortage in the shepherd's supply. The lines are never long. The shelves are never, never empty. Because he's my shepherd, I shall not want. And over in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, Paul says this. And my God will meet all your needs. Someone say amen. Amen. Hey, come at home. You know, God shall meet all of my needs according uh, to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, now understand something. This is a promise that's based on the currency of heaven. Okay? So, so if I was asked, Brent, Brent says, you know, when I've got incredible wealth. 
And so I want you to know I'm going to meet all your needs. Okay? So, so I would be thinking, we're going to make sure I have groceries. We're going to make sure my, my electric bill is paid. We're going to make sure my gas bill is paid. We're going to make sure my medical items are taken care of. He would be a suspicion in that way. That's how I would think. We must not think like that. Because when Paul says, my God shall meet all your needs, for his riches and for his riches in Christ Jesus, it's in, it's in the currency of heaven. So, so look for it to happen in ways you don't know. Look for it to happen in ways you have not seen before, because God works on a different level than our simple humanistic, humanistic level. He works a whole different level. Now, I this quote, I, I saw this and I said, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It's from one of my favorite authors, today song by Max Lefebvre. Now keep in mind, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. This is what Max said. You have a God who hears you, the power of love behind you, the Holy Spirit within, within you, and all of heaven ahead of you. Woo, that'll preach. He's not done. If you have the shepherd, you have grace for every sin. Somebody say amen. Direction for every turn. A candle for every corner. An anchor for every storm. Amen. You have everything you need. If the Lord is your shepherd, I shall not want. Whether it's a coronavirus situation or not, whether it's a time of unemployment or not, he is our all-sufficiency. Now, Louis Gigolo, who's one of our younger pastors, well, actually, he's probably about 50 now. He's got old, okay? But he's down in Atlanta and works near, serves near Andy Stanley's church. But Louis Gigolo says this. He's a little more simplistic. Jesus has enough. Yeah. Jesus is enough. And Jesus will be enough. Amen? Now listen, listen, I'm telling you what, I'm telling you what, when you're going through storms like these, you want him on your side. Not only did you know, Jesus. Because Jesus has enough, is enough, and will always be enough. Now what does that look like? How does that play out? Well, he tells us. In verse 23, the second part, 20, uh, chapter 23, verse 2, he says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now keep in mind, a shepherd, your sheep need a shepherd. Okay? Sheep will starve to death if they don't have someone to lead them to a pasture. Okay? And here's what's crazy. Now listen. Now we're not talking about domesticated sheep here. There are wild sheep that do okay, but this is domesticated slick sheep. Okay? So if they go to a, a pasture, they will eat that pasture down to the dirt and stand there and try to eat the dirt. They don't have the common sense to move on. Kind of like some Christians. God leads them to a certain pasture and they, God says, okay, it's time to move on. No, God, I think I'm going to stay just right where I am. You know, some Christians got saved and they're still right where they were that day. They have not experienced the power of sanctification. The power of becoming more like Christ. Okay? So so the shepherd says, you know, David says of the shepherd, he makes me to lie down. He moves me on to a new green pasture. Okay? Now here's the deal. Here's the deal. He leads me to a green pasture only for a season. Okay? So he's going to lead you. He's going to lead you through life. And he's going to pause you and say, okay, this is a green pasture. You can stay here a while. Okay? And you're going you're to eat your fill and you're going to lay down in this green pasture. But listen, don't 
this is good. Don't become too enamored with that pasture. Because God has more pastures for you. And when he says move, it's time to move on to watch, watch the next best thing he has for you. I know, I know. Listen, we, we get in this deal and we say, oh, oh, well this can't, it can't get any better than this. You want that? When you've got the God who owns the, the cattle on a thousand hills, and you've got a God who owns the, ca- the, the, the cattle but the hills, if you've got a God who flung out a billion stars, if you've got a God who created a billion galaxies, he's got something more. What you're experiencing now may be good, but he is a God who moves us on, moves us on to something better, to something better. He moves us on to something good. But that didn't stop there either. Because along the food we need water. It says, he leads me beside still waters. Uh, he leads me beside rivers of peace. Now, again, this is true. This is true. When a shepherd comes to water, they are so skittish when they come. Let me go to a really good word. They are so fearful that when they come to running water, all right, they will not drink. They will stand there. And look at the running water out of fear, not drinking. That's why, that's why David says, he just doesn't leave. I mean, he doesn't say, you know, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in pastures and leads me beside Niagara Falls. He leads me beside a roaring river. He, 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 he leads me beside the Colorado River with his five, uh, five, class five rackets. I'll get it out. He doesn't do that. He says, he leads me beside still waters. By the way, can I throw out something to you? You can take it or leave it. Am I the only guy that's kind of wondering what this is all about? This is so unusual, so different. This circumstance we find ourselves in. You know, I wonder, you think God's helping us have a forced, a forced Sabbath? Are we not resting more than we normally do? I, I mean, I still can't get over it. I turn on the TV and it's not filled with all these activities of sports. Our calendar, you look at our church calendar, it's got all activities canceled on campus. No. Could God be giving us a four, forced Sabbath? Because see, see, we're supposed to rest in Him. And we're not doing that very well. I mean, are, is it perhaps we're doing a, a busy detox? Is God detoxing us from all our busyness? Can, can I be honest with you as your pastor? Can I look you right in the eye and tell you this? I think so. I think not, it's not the reason it happened. It's one of the good things that's coming. He's given us a busy detox. He's given us, a, he's reteaching us the value of Sabbath. The value of taking a rest. You know, I love it when David, I said, David, you threw the song. You know, he, we did not communicate this. You know, we didn't have this plan. But he sang it as well, my soul. And I won't tell the story because you know the story. When peace like a river attended my way. Let me say it again. When peace like a river attended my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll. So whether it's peaceful or stormy. Whatever my life thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And the Course simply says, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Amen, gracious God. It is well with our soul. I've had a verse tucked away in, in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6. This one says, 
written by Solomon. Better is a handful of quietness than two handfuls of toil and striving after the wind. Is that a good one? Isn't that a good one? Better is a handful of quietness than two handfuls of toil and striving. And I really think we can apply that and say this. You know, better is a handful of, of, of busy detox and Sabbath than two hands full of every night book doing something. Now, see, sometimes, 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 more is not better. Sometimes more is just more. Sometimes more is just not more. So one of the things I would like to be brought, as your pastor, I would tell you, get a hold of this. Get a hold of this. God has given us these two, three, four, we don't really know how many weeks of slow down. See it as a gift from God. Now, something I saw my foot, go, or do, okay? Just see it as a gift from God. Not the virus, the slowness. Slowness. Um, I don't have time to tell the story now, but, but it came from my sister. And boy, my, I don't really have that many things from my sister. But she told me a, a story that she read on Facebook, I believe. And again, we don't talk like, you know, maybe six times a day. Agnes, if you watch this, I know that's not true. Okay, but anyway, we don't talk that much. But she said, uh, a little girl was talking, and it's supposed to be true. You know, a little girl was talking to her mother and said, so mom, this coronavirus, you know, what are you going to remember about the coronavirus? And she's going to say, well, it was really a different time. It was very hard. Um, there wasn't a lot of food. Uh, things could not be found. Um, I was somewhat, I was kind of um, afraid. Um, everything shut down. And, uh, and the mom says, so what are you going to remember about the coronavirus? She goes, well, I'm going to remember that we had time to play games and that we had dinner together in the evenings. And I had more time to do that I've ever had before. What a perspective. What a perspective. You know, accept the gift that God has given us in this time, this season of slowness. He's led us beside the quiet waters. Then he says, he restores my soul. And this is a short one and this is an easy one. It literally means he is refreshing our soul. He is refreshing our soul. Now what does that look like? Listen to this. You know this verse. Come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. All who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Is this an opportunity to rest in Jesus? Another song. I told you a lot of song words today. Okay? Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? Hmm. No light in the darkness, you see? Mm. There's light for a look at the Savior and life for abundantly free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth, the, the coronavirus and the stress and the worry and all those things and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. He wasn't finished. He went on verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. And, and you know, a yoke was that wood thing that you know two oxen would wear. And then when the load was easier when two would pull. But you know what they do? They would take a mature oxen and put him in the yoke with a young oxen. Okay? And they would put him in there, and the sole purpose was the older oxen would take the younger oxen how to pull. Well, well, Jesus is saying when he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He said, hey, hey, come get in the harness with me. Listen, life 
do life in the days of coronavirus. I'm going to show you how to do life when life is crazy. Just get into the harness with me. Take my yoke and learn from me because I am meek and lowly and humble of heart. And you know what you're going to find? Listen carefully. You're going to find rest for your souls, Jesus said. You're going to find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank God for this gift. Times when we come to Him and we get to His harness and to His yoke and joy the rest that He gives. Well, I love this. It goes in verse 3, the second part. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, righteousness means right living. He leads us in paths of right living. He goes, he goes, he goes, I'm gonna lead you in a way, and I'm gonna show you how to do life. Do you ever fucking need somebody to tell you how to do life? I mean, let's just be honest. We make a mess of it pretty good. We seem like we mess up life all the time. <laughs> David says, you know, but God says, hey, you know, I, I'm gonna help you. I'm, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna lead you in the path of right living. For my sake. For my name's sake. I think you were quoting Psalm 37. I, I was busy at the time. I think I heard you say this, you know. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in our path. So, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. So God says, okay, okay, children, children, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna order your steps. I'm gonna orchestrate your steps for you, okay? Now here's what I want you to know about the steps. Oh, this is too good. Listen, the steps I'm going to orchestrate for you, there's one thing you need to know. There's one thing you need to know. I delight in them. And he didn't say you delight in them. I delight. I want you to know, as your shepherd, I'm orchestrating a path for you. And you know every good and perfect gift, God would say, comes down from me. Look, James says that. Okay? So, so, I'm going to lead you down a path. It's a path that I'm going to delight in for you. And I'm your loving father. I'm your other father. So I'm going to give you a good, good path. I love this. Exodus 13, 17. The children of Israel have left Pharaoh in the dust. Okay? Listen to this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not leave them. Now, did you grab that? God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, even though that was shut. Oh, wait, wait, hey, God, I know you know the past, you know, I know you know the way that we're supposed to go, but God, clearly, this way is short. You know what that GPS thing does? If, if it finds a path that is 15 seconds shorter, and you've got to sit on, choose the shortest path, you find yourself on the neighborhoods, you find us going through dumps everywhere because to save 15 seconds. Well, God did not lead them on the shortest path. Want to know why? Uh-huh. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. And by the way, you know what's one means of word repentance? To change your mind. There's a good repentance and there's a bad repentance. And God was concerned that if they saw war, they might repent in a bad way and return to Egypt. So you know what God did? So God led them around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. I'm telling you this. Listen as your pastor. Listen to me. The desert road directed by God is better than any other road. I don't know what God's doing. I don't 
will not ever know all the answers this side of heaven. But I know this, this is the path that he has directed for us individually and as a church. Most certainly, he's put us on this path. Trust him. Trust him with this path. Okay? He does not make any mistakes. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and watch. He will make your paths straight. He will take you down the right road. He leads you in path of righteousness. Verse 8 saying. And then the big one. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your friend. I love this because, you know, it says, even though I walk through the valley. There's no denying it's a valley. But it's not our permanent residence. Valleys are not permanent residence. You know, David says clearly, we walk through this valley. Listen, again, listen, again, listen, again. This didn't come to stay in the past. This is not the new. Well, there's part of this I hope is the new normalcy. And that's the lessons that God wants us to, to learn. Okay? But this coronavirus thing, it's not the new norm. It's not the new norm. And if it is, His grace will be sufficient. His grace would be sufficient. So I walk through this valley of the shadow of death. You know why it's a shadow? Because Jesus Christ defeated death. Jesus Christ defeated death. On that Easter morning, on that Sunday morning, man, he busted out of the grave. All the power of hell, all the demons of hell, the devil of hell could not hold him in the grave. He defeated death. And death then becomes a shadow, and shadows can't hurt you. Shadows may scare you, but they cannot hurt you. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I'm going to fear no evil. You know why? The death of Esther is with us. The death of Esther. The, the victor over death is with us. I love it what A.W. Chaucer said. He said, the only thing, remember this one. If you're at home, you be sure to take notes. Go to your kitchen table take notes. The only safe place for a sheep, the only safe place for a sheep is by the side of his shepherd. Because the devil does not fear sheep. He just fears the shepherd. Isn't that good? That doesn't work right you down. I want you to know something. The devil may not quake in his boots because of you. Look at me. He quakes in his boots because of Jesus. He quakes in his boots because of Jesus. And then he says, your body, your staff. I've heard guys get up. And I'm not sure what their point is. But they're going to say, Oh, God takes the wrong and beats the sheep. Oh, boy, that comforts me. Thank you for sharing that place. I am so glad I came to church today. And then they'll talk about the staff, how, how God grabs his sheep by the neck and drags on that pole. Oh, thank you for hurting me. That is not what it means. The rod was a weapon to protect the sheep. The reason David said, and he spoke as, as, as an authority because he was a shepherd, that rod was used to kill the bears. That rod was used to care or to kill the lions. And when David said, your rod, they bring comfort to me, when you're standing next to the God, <laughs> when you're standing next to the God of the universe, and in his hand is the biggest rod you've ever seen. And he looks 
Satan now and says, just try it. Come on, just try it. Just, just see what, just try to touch my mind without my permission. You just go ahead and try it. And that, that's that. It's the staff of rescue. The shepherd loves the sheep too much. But he's not going to bring them around that and drag them down. It's a rescue. I can see in my mind, I can see the sheep has fallen over a cliff, right? And falling over the cliff, I can see him that staff reaching down and gently pulling the, the sheep up. By rod and by staff, they come. They come. You know, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, uh, Gloria Gaither wrote a song called Gentle Shepherd. It goes like this. Gentle Shepherd, come and lead us. For we need you to help us find our way. Gentle Shepherd, come and feed us. For we need your strength from day to day. There's no other we can turn to who can help us face another day. General Shepherd, come and lead us. For we need you to help us find our way. We need you to help us find our way. Today, we can fear So we would normally have our time of decision, and we're going to do that right now, even though it's on camera. But first is this. You're here today, and either you've got a false shepherd, a hireling, and you're trying religion, a denomination, a church, or start this, stop that, or you're depending on your performance to get you somewhere. You need to know all that won't work. And that's not me. That's the word of God. The answer is Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. I am pretty certain God's not impressed on what happens. But he loves to call me his child. He loves me. It's not something I earned. It's something he gave me because of his grace. So, right there in your room today, you'd ask Jesus to come heart. And that would involve something like this. You know, it's always, there's no magic in a prayer. But, but telling him, hey God, I want you to know I agree with you. I know that I'm a sinner. And I believe your son Jesus Christ died for my sins and came back to life on the third day. I want to ask him to come in and be my Lord, be my boss of my life. And then I want to, I want to ask him to let me follow him the rest of my life. That's a prayer that God will hear today. And the Lord will become your shepherd. And if you're here today and you're listening on the radio or on Facebook Live, or maybe looking at a future day uh, coming up, I want you to know this. I want you to know that he's with you. He doesn't want to be your stuff. He won't just carry your stuff. He doesn't want to be your fire escape. He wants to be your chef. He wants to walk with you. He wants to teach you. He wants to love you. I love that person. You remember when Isaiah? He wants to hold you close to his heart. So let Jesus be that in your lives. Your kids need to know that. They may not say it, but they're probably scared a little bit too. But let them know that our shepherd is bigger than any enemy. Bigger than any bear. Bigger than any lion. Well, God, your word is so powerful and it's so incredible. I want to thank you for the privilege of sharing uh, with our church family today and those beyond our friends out there. Thank you for that. Father, thank you for leading David um, to write this wonderful song and for the powerful truth 
um, that we find in that. He recognized his need. Help us be wise enough to recognize our need also today. Thank you, God, that we can call you shepherd. We can call you Abba, Father. We can call you ours. But more than that, you can call us yours. Thank you, Jesus. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Worship with us as we sing.
Thanks for following me. Remember our church family, Danny Danilo, uh, hospice has been called in. I just want to lift up his family as we close today. Just uh, know that we're praying for him and during this time when he needs uh, your presence and the Lord's presence there with him. So if you would, I want to close us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, it's been great to be in your house. I know that, man, sometimes we get fearful. I know that fear comes in, that my Father causes me not to trust you, causes me to have doubts. I just pray that my Father, as we heard these messages, this message this morning, that you would cause that fear to go away. You would allow us to know our anchor holds on your words, on you being our shepherd. And then my Father, I'm so thankful for that. I just pray for the many out there that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, that they would have the opportunity to confess you as Lord and Savior before it's too late. And then, Father, I just pray that you just be at this country. You be at this world situation. You know everything that's out there, then, Father. Man, it throws us in the tailspin. I just pray, then, Father, that you allow us to trust you. We can say with our words, but help it to be shown with our actions. As we said last week, the church has left this building. Help us to be the church out. Help us to be the one looking for opportunities to plant a seed, looking for opportunities to give the good news. And then, Father, I just pray that you be at the Daniel family today. You be at the other ones out there that are facing uh, man, trials and tribulations, then, Father. Allow them to trust you. Allow them to walk by faith. And then, Father, what a good God you are. What a mighty shepherd you are. Help us to praise you all the time for allowing us to have a shepherd like you. As Dwayne said, your God. Help us to look at that this week. Help us to see who we're clinging to and what we're clinging to. I just pray that you help us to examine. In Jesus' name I pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.